good morning. Thank you so much that you have come together to worship our living God. And uh, it is really a big privilege to actually share the gospel with you, uh, this lovely church, uh, Woodburn Baptist Church. Uh, today we are going to um, read from uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 28. It's a very common uh, portion of scripture that has been read throughout the world. Matthew chapter 28 from verse 18 to 20. I'll read. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let us pause and pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of coming to worship you with brothers and sisters in this house, the house of worship. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you speak through me and Lord, you anoint the hearts and the ears of your servants who are listening. Thank you so much that, Lord, you are always there for us. We even especially um, pray and ask you, Lord, for our dear brother, Pastor Tim Harris. Thank you, Lord, for giving him this opportunity to be with you all the time. Thank you for the church that you have appointed him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, even for his health, that you bless him, Father, his wife, and his child. We thank you that you are so wonderful. May you continue to bless him. What a, a wonderful, uh, devoted pastor we have. Humble, brilliant, and Lord, able to share your word in a special way. May you bless him, Lord. Bless his family. Not only him, but Lord, even others who are here. We pray that you bless them. You bless us together as we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, today we are actually going to have a theme, and the theme is the character of mission, uh, character of a mission church in the light of Christ the character of mission church in the light of Christ. And I will actually speak on three uh, different points. The first one is uh, one of the characteristics or the character of a mission church is that it is gospel-centered. Gospel-centered. The second one, it has got the fellowship, genuine mutual fellowship. 
And the third point is, it is a mission church. It has got missions. It has uh, 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 the, the mandate of going out and preach the gospel. So the first one that we are going to look here is a gospel-centered church. Gospel-centered church. Uh, and we are actually reading from here uh, in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 20. It says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. A church or a mission church is a gospel-centered church. It is a church that teaches the Bible. It is the church that actually understands that our foundation is in the word of God. It teaches the gospel. The gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. It is the good news about the life, about the death, and about the resurrection of Christ. Gospel is a revelation of Jesus himself as God, fully man and fully divine. So the church that has that character, it preaches the word of God. It hears the word of God as it is sweet in their ears, going down to their hearts. It teaches and preaches the word of God, nothing else. Because Jesus is the word. So the church, the true church that has got a mission is the church that propagates the word of God and teaches the gospel of Jesus Christ as it comes or as it is. With Jesus enveloped into three offices that he had when he came here on earth. As a prophet, the greatest prophet ever, as the priest, the highest priest ever, as the king, the best king that you will ever have on planet and even in heaven. So Jesus is enveloped into these three offices. The prophets in the Old Testament, when they came, they were proclaiming about the word. They were proclaiming about Jesus who was to come in this world. And when he came, he became the best prophet, the highest prophet ever. Because that word that the prophets used to proclaim, that word became flesh and dwelled among us. And also the, 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 the priest, the priest they used to go and sacrifice in the altar. Each member would come with a goat or a, a bull and they would sacrifice. And the priest would go there in the Holy of Holies. But after that, the priest would just exit, leave the sacrifice and go out. But this Jesus, the high priest who came on earth, he did not only put the sacrifice on the altar, but he laid his life on the altar and he never ex exited. 
but he laid his life there, died for you and for me. That's the highest priest ever. And the king of kings and the lord of lords, he is coming for the second time. He is coming now not as a judge. No, not, 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 not as, a, as, a, as, a, as a prophet or as a priest, but now he will be coming as a king to judge the world according to each person's works. That's what we are told. So what the prophets proclaimed about the coming Messiah, Christ, the word which became flesh, is the gospel that each church should proclaim. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 1 verse 1. The word was with God. And the word was God. And then in verse 14 it says the word became flesh. In other words, Jesus became like you and me. In order to identify with us. This is the word of God. This is the preaching that the church that has got missions has to preach. Because all this time of history, there was only sacrifices that were only through the priest. But now, as you turn from Malachi to Matthew, you pass 400 years about which the Bible was silent. No books were written during this time. The Old Testament closes with Malachi. And the New Testament opens with the birth of this Jesus that was given to the world in order to have eternal life. Because our relationship with God was broken. So now Jesus became the word in order for us to have this eternal life. And to reconcile us back to God through himself. Because in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4, it was impossible for the blood of the goats and bulls to take away the sins of men. They will only cover them. But it needed Jesus himself, God himself, to lay his life on the altar and die for humanity. And that's what we do. We now accept him as our Lord. No human being was righteous enough. No human being was holy enough to appease the wrath of God from our sins. Not even Abraham, not even Isaac, not even Moses, but it needed God himself, Jesus Christ, to come and die for us. John 3 verse 16. He became part of us. That's the gospel that we have to preach. He became part of us. He became among us. Emmanuel, God with us. He lived with us. He breathed the oxygen that we breathe. He ate the food that we eat. He identified with us but without sin. Because God appointed him to be the redeemer, to be the savior of this world. And that's the gospel that we preach. We don't preach any other gospel. We preach Jesus crucified. We preach Jesus as savior. We preach Jesus 
as our Lord. That's the gospel, nothing else. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts chapter 2, verse 21. Regardless of where you are in the jungle, without knowing anything, but if you hear the gospel and repent and call upon the name of Jesus, then you will be saved. That's the gospel that we preach. That's the gospel that was handed over to us. And we have to preach it as it were. God is with us. If we declare with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and justified, and it is with mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Romans 10, 9. Simple gospel, it does not have any theological jargon. Simple Jesus is the Lord. If you profess with your mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Simple and straightforward. Simple gospel that we have to preach as a church. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews and then to the Greeks. That's the gospel that we preach. That's the gospel that we proclaim. And we have to proclaim it without being ashamed of it. Even if the world tries to actually argue with us, but we declare that Jesus is Lord. That's the gospel. Romans chapter 15, uh, 16, it says, Our duty is to proclaim the gospel of God. That's our mandate that God has given us. Let's proclaim the gospel. Preach the gospel with words and also with action. Nowadays, if we look around and people have been arguing most of the time and say, what's the difference between you who go to church and me who does not go to church? The reason why they argue, they say, because your lifestyle, it does not show any change. You do exactly what I do. So what's the difference? But we are told the, 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 the word of God transforms the word of God shifts the paradigm of thinking, transforms the life of a, of a Christian, and he becomes a born-again Christian. He becomes a born-again Christian through the word of God. For in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, he says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing ascender of the soul and the spirit and the joints and marrow, and it is the center of thoughts and intents of heart. Because it penetrates when the gospel captures you. It captures the whole being, mentally, spiritually, physically. It captures you and you become subservient to it. Because it is the power of God. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the church should preach. Galatians verse 1 verse 8. But though we... 
or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto, the, unto you than which, that which we have preached it unto you, let, it, let him be accursed. Even the angel Gabriel, even the angel uh, 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 from heaven comes and preaches the gospel that is different from what we have been handed over here. Let him be accursed. So the church has to preach the gospel. We eat the gospel. We drink this gospel. We walk the gospel. Everything is about us. It's about the gospel in us. That's what we are supposed to do. And the church has to preach the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study the word to show thyself approved unto God. And workmen that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of the truth. In other words, it does not matter that it is the pastor who has to always preach the gospel, but you have been deposited that authority and power by God to study and divide the word of God and share it with everyone. You have been given that responsibility. And the church that has got a gospel-centered mandate, it, uh, it does that. Even the members, they do that. For heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away forever. Luke chapter 21, verse 23. That's the gospel. That's what the church has to do. When we talk about the church, we are talking about the building. The church is you, born-again Christians who are here. We have to take the gospel out and preach to other people. The second one is the fellowship. The character of a, 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 a mission church is the fellowship. First, the gospel-centered church, and secondly, it is the church that has got fellowship. In verse, uh, in verse 20b, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20b, and surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. The fellowship. In other words, Christ is connecting us with himself. Fellowship is the character of Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Fellowship is the character of God in Trinity, even before creation. They commune together. So when Christ came in here on earth, he came with that characteristic to say the fellowship, the church has to have that kind of fellowship. Vertical fellowship where every Christian is plugged in Christ. Every Christian has to be plugged in Christ. It's just like these instruments. These instruments cannot work if they are not plugged. Because there is electricity there that can bring up the sound. So us as Christians, if we are not plugged to Christ, we will not perform anything. The fruits of the Spirit will never be burned in us. We have to be connected. A vertical fellowship with Christ as they are a good example of the Trinity. Jesus said... 
I and the Father are one. John chapter 10, verse 30. I and the Father are one. In other words, he says here also in, in, uh, in John chapter 14, verse 9, who has seen, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. They are intertwined. They are together. They are in fellowship. And then the Father will also send the Holy Spirit. You see, the Trinity, they are all together in fellowship. So as a church, we have to do the same kind of fellowship. Vertical, plucking into Christ, and then horizontal, plucking to each other. Let's love one another. Love other believers. That's the fellowship that is horizontal. Love other believers. If you love for one, if you have love for one another, then everyone will know you are my disciples. <clears throat> How does the world know that we are Christ's disciples? How do they know? It is by loving one another. It is by seeing how we love one another. The fellowship that they see, they see people coming together, never mind about the background, they come together to worship God, they pray for one another. That's what we call fellowship. That's what we call connectivity that the, the church has to do. And it, it, in John chapter, first John chapter 4, verse 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we do not love people we can see, how can we love God whom we have not seen? In other words, it starts from here. Charity begins at home. We love one another. Let us not leave other people behind. Let us come together. That's the fellowship. Even other people who are not Christians, they will see and admire what you do, and they will come and join us because we love one another. Why? Because the, the church is the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24. Christ is the head of the church, hence the fellowship with Christ and with one another will bring this fellowship into a mutual, into a meaningful thing for each and every person. Even the new convents, even the new people, believers who come, when they see we love one another, we have that fellowship, we have that consent for one another, then they will come and join and be part of us. Because Christ and the church are mutual fellowship that we see in this world. There is nothing, nothing in this world in terms of a religion or an institution that resembles the church. The church goes beyond because the church brings together different people together in love. With other religions, they come for some other purposes. But with the church, it is the fellowship. It is loving one another caring for one another. That's the gospel that we have to preach and to share with everyone. Because a church is a born-again believers who are together. Hebrews chapter 
10, verse 25. For not forsaking the assembling of others, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day is approaching. So in other words, if we have got some members of the church that are backsliding, who are no longer coming to church, in our church group, within ourselves, we are supposed to follow them up and bring them up. Because the Bible says we don't have to forsake the assembling of together. Because we become so powerful when we are together, when we are in fellowship. And the Bible promises us very well in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Never. Even the devil himself, when he comes with his angels trying to exterminate the church, he will fail because the foundation is unshakable. The foundation is Christ Jesus, who is the, uh, the savior of the world. He is the one who is the foundation, and he is the head of the church. So the fellowship that we have, let us not forsake it, because it is very vital. For example, if we look at uh, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the early church, and a good example of a church in good fellowship. There are eight things that we are actually uh, that we we can take from just verse 20, uh, verse forty-two, Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. They devoted themselves to the apostolic teachings. In other words, what they have been taught, what have been handed over to them, they continued to to devote themselves in the teachings of the apostle. They continued to study the word. They continued to, to fellowship together. And the second one is the fellowship as part of the church. They fellowship together. They actually made sure we come together, assemble together, and worship God together. The third one, prayer. It was a church of prayer. Do we come together as family of God, praying together, praying for this land, America? We have to pray for our leaders. We have to pray that God will save this nation. This nation was founded by the Puritans, by people who actually believe in the Lord. When they actually came from England, they came to say we want freedom to worship God. But as a church, we cannot just stand akimbo and look when the world, when the country is going to the drains. We are there to be the salt and to be light of the world. We have to pray for it. Pray for everyone in this country. The early church, they prayed for their leaders. And then also number four, there were wonders and miracles that happened. Many people were brought into the, into the church because there were miracles happening and wonders. Number five, they were all together and had everything in common. In other words, they were focusing on one thing and one thing alone. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number six, 
they shared to anyone as he needed. In the church, when we talk about fellowship, we don't only talk about coming here on Sundays to worship together. We also talk about during the week, other people, other members, they struggle in their lives. So we don't just leave them alone. As a church, we actually observe and help and encourage and be with them. If they are sick, we are there. If they, are, they have got their loved one deceased, we are there. That's the fellowship that the church has to do. We are together. That's what the church has to do. And then seven, praise and worship. They actually worshipped, they made some praises and worshipped together, enjoying the favor of all the people. And then the last one, the Lord blessed the church. Spiritually and also numeratically. The church grew. Uh, if you look at uh, Acts going uh, uh, ahead, you find that one day, th uh, 3,000 people were brought to the church. So this fellowship is so powerful that we don't have to neglect. Let's take phone for each person, a member of the church. Let's phone for each other. If it is a classroom, a class that is uh, uh, attending a, a, a Sunday school or whatsoever, we phone each other every day. See how we are walking, how we are doing. That's the fellowship that the church has to do. And then the last one is the mission. The mission. A church that is characterized uh, by mission and, and, and by the word of God is a church that has got a vision for the mission. First, the gospel-centered. Second, they fellowship together. And then third, they have got a vision for the missions. Verse 19, of, uh, from, from verse 18, then Jesus said to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When we talk about missions, we talk about the core business of the church. The core business of the church is to propagate the word of God, to go out and share the gospel. It doesn't matter whether it's too far in overseas or somewhere around in the United States or in North America or in your neighborhood. The gospel has to be shared. The mission of the church has to share the gospel. That's what he says here at Jesus. He He's starting by making his identity so that he will give his credentials and you understand that when you go, you are not alone. All authority. In heaven, Jesus is the Lord. On earth, Jesus is the Lord. So all the authority has been given to Jesus. In other words, Jesus has got life and death in his hands. In fact, he professes that I have, he has got the keys of, of hiders. So all authority has been given. Never mind about what is happening in the world and you think the world is coming to an end when Jesus has not yet proclaimed it. 
declared it that that's the end of the world, the world will never happen or never be destroyed. Even the nuclear weapons that are there on earth, they will never destroy this world until Jesus says, yes, I am ending the world. Not sanctioning or giving authority to the people who do this uh, 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 the nuclear uh, bombs, no. But himself, he is going to end this world because the authority is not in a human being. It is in Christ. All authority has been given to him. And then he says, now you go out and preach the gospel. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Because that's the gospel that Jesus is sending us to do. Why? Why do we have to do this mission? Why missions? Why do we do that? Why are we mandated to go out and preach the gospel? Well, the answer is in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. Adam and Eve, they sinned. They broke that relationship between God and man. And as a result, that relationship that was there was cut off. The fellowship that we had with God every day, like Adam, he was communing with God all the time. But one day when God came to commune with Adam and Eve, he found out that they were not at the right place. And he actually was very disturbed. Where are you? Because Eve had actually been deceived by the devil. He was, she was deceived through the longing of food. She was deceived by the deception of eyes. She was deceived by the desire of wisdom. So in other words, food, wisdom, and, 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 and the lust of eyes deceived Eve. So God broke that relationship between us. So therefore, God is going to be the greatest missionary ever. Asking Adam, where are you? You are supposed to be in this place to commute together, but where are you? And then Adam answers, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself, shifting blame. The woman that you gave me, Lord, shifting blame to earth. The woman you gave me is the one who actually made me eat this food. So we deceive ourselves. No one wants to take the responsibility. We shift the blame from one to another. Even at home, at your home, we have got five kids. If we ask you, who, did, who broke this, or, uh, this, this, this thing, this plate? I don't know. I don't know. But someone broke this. Who broke, who broke the glass? I don't know. Maybe it's, it's, it's shalom. Maybe it's this. That's exactly the character of human being, shifting blame. Adam actually says, the woman that you gave me, shifting blame instead of taking the responsibility. And Eve 
God is saying, Eve, what happened? Uh, the serpent. Always shifting blame. Always shifting blame. But if we, if we don't take the responsibilities of our actions, God is angry with us. Because God says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess with our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. First John chapter 1 verse 8 to 10. So we have to come to understanding each one to say we are sinners in this world. That's why we are to take this gospel out as me to tell everyone you even if you do what your works will not save you. The only person who can save you is Christ. We all point to Jesus. God's provision was so marvelous because even if they shifted blame, they sinned against God, what did God do? He covered them with a, with a animal skin. Cover them. And themselves, what did they do when they hid from God? They went to take some leaves, some fig tree leaves, covered themselves. And it was very temporal. You know, if you, have, if you just take uh, leaves, after two, three, four days, they start to wither. It was a laborious work for them to cover themselves, to hide from God through these temporal measures. But God said, I will do something very permanent. It was actually a foreshadow of about Christ, covering them with animal skin. In Zimbabwe, where we come from, we have got animal skins. We used to wear them. We used to even do some, uh, uh, to have blankets of animal skin, like a, a cow. It would go for, from, uh, uh, from one, uh, from one uh, 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 family to another. Like, for example, if, if we, we, we do it, my father would give to, uh, to his first son, and, it, and the, the first son would have his children do it, have it, for almost three, four decades with that. It's a symbol of permanency, a symbol that Christ was to come to cover us. That's why God is the greatest missionary. So the voice of God is still echoing today. Where are you, Adam? Where are you? So the church has to take that gospel out and ask, where are you? Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's point them to Christ, because the cross is where all of us, we belong. So we have to preach the word uh, when we go out in the missions. Because his death is the power of God to salvation. His death brought forgiveness to us and reconciliation. His death means that the sting of death that every human being is afraid of was defeated. First Corinthians 15 verse 55. The final triumph over death is obtained in Christ. And salvation for all believers is secure. 
In other words, when you believe in Christ, you are secured. You are secured. You are secured. You are no longer afraid of death. You are no longer afraid of the future. Why? Because Christ is your Lord. Not only here, but in heaven. That's the gospel that we preach. And that's what we are supposed to do. God-centered, gospel-centered, fellowship to one another and God, and also to have a very, very important element of missions in our, in, our, in our churches, to go out and share the gospel. It's not enough. That's why it is good news. And he has promised us, uh, in conclusion, he has promised us that he is going to be with us to the end of the world. He will be with us until the end of the world. In other words, you are not alone. Whenever there is a problem, whenever you're going through uh, 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 divorces, whenever you are going through sickness, whenever you are alienated in the family, you are not alone. Jesus always reminds us, they did that to me. So he is with us forever. Until the end of the age. That's a good promise. So brothers and sisters, let's connect to God Let's connect to one another, and let's share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have just one thing to tell you, a story in Cambodia. Cambodia is one of the countries in, uh, I think it's in Latin America. So there were some missionaries who were actually sent by the church, and they went into that country to share the gospel. They shared, they talked about Jesus, uh, many people, came to the, to, the, to the Lord. But now the chief was so jealous that people were now flocking to the church, to these missionaries. So they plotted to kill these missionaries. They killed them. They killed the wife, they killed the children, they killed the husband. And they thought that's the end of the story. The chief now started celebrating and celebrating the death of these missionaries who had come with this new thing. But you know what happened? This land that they were in, it was a land which was full of very good forest, vegetation, bananas just sprout in the rivers. It was flowing with the rivers and also lots of good fruits that were just sprouting. But that year when they killed those missionaries, the whole land dried out. It did not only dry for a decade, but two decades, three decades, four decades, 50 years, the, the chief and the people there, they started to think, what happened to our land? The land that was, was so great, we used to feast, we used to plant, we used to have our cattle, our animals graze, we used to have some streams of water. What happened? One of those who actually was converted that day, he actually went to the chief and said, by the way, do you see all what happened to our land? It is because 
we killed these missionaries who came with the gospel. Then the chief and, the, and his elders started to think about this. Yeah, actually, that year when, when we killed those missionaries, everything has been dry here. What can we do then? Then they tried to make a connection, to connect with the, uh, the sending church and also the family of those missionaries who were killed. And for sure what happened, the chief, they tried to find somebody to actually go. And it was here in America. They came here in America and went to that family and asked for forgiveness and say, we are very sorry. The whole village is very sorry for what you have done. We have actually killed people of God. Please, can you come and reconcile with us? They said, no, 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 you want to kill us again? No, it was enough. They persuaded them and persuaded them until they said, oh, well, if we die, let's die, let's go. So the members of the family of that, uh, of, of, of that family that was killed, they went there to the village. When they were told that they are now on the way coming, it was like they were, there was a big celebration. They slaughtered cattle, meat, it was plant, everything. They brought some, some, some fruits. And then these, these people, when they came, they said, what, what is happening really? So, yeah, this is an appreciation of what you have done by coming here. So the chief actually discussed with them and said, in, on behalf of this village, we are very sorry that we killed the people that brought the good news. And they confessed and they repented on behalf of the villagers and they were forgiven and they forgave them. So these, these people, they went back to America and God started to really bless again that land. So that's why we are saying, when you go to missions, when you go to, the, uh, to, to share the gospel, don't be afraid. He's saying, I am with you until the end of the world. Because he will never leave you. He will never forsake me because he is our Lord. He is our greatest missionary. And may the Lord bless you as you serve him, as you continue to fellowship in this church. Amen. If there is anyone who wants to come forward, if you have not yet connected to Christ, please, we will ask you, invite you to come. It's not late. Salvation is still open today. Jesus' blood is still oozing from his wounds. He is still alive. If you have not yet come to the Lord, come in here and then be connected to Christ and then you are going to have eternal life. This world will end. All of us will die. But the good news is those who die in the Lord, they will be with the Lord forever. So that's why we invite you to come and join us here. If you want to come and be part of the church, please come. If you want to repent or to do something for the Lord and confess or want to be more uh, 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 more devoted to the Lord, please come over. We'll pray with you.